Brought to you by the 2012 Toyota Camry. Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor of HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there. Well, you know what, Chris? Um, we're getting toward the end of 2012 as we record this. Yeah, you know, we usually do our predictions toward the end of the year, and I, I just want to say that I, 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 I predicted a couple of years ago that we would be talking about these podcasts unsuccessfully. Well, not not these podcasts, but the 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 topic that we're going to talk about today, and they still haven't. Yeah, come. yeah, we're talking about the next generation consoles now. Now, to be fair, one of them has come out. The Wii U, Nintendo's next generation console. Yes, but I'm, I'm, I'm so far behind in points on this one now, I, I just kind of gave up on it. Yeah, it's sad because <laughs> if, if you had predicted this for next year, you probably would have actually won. But, um, but yeah, here's, here's the deal, folks. We are going to do a rundown on the next generation consoles. Yes. Video game consoles. Now that's gonna include the Wii U, which of course is already out. So mm-hmm. people out there, some of our listeners may have one already and have been playing it and may know all about it. It's true. But then we're also gonna talk a little bit about the rumors of the next generation for Microsoft and Sony's video game consoles. Yes. Keeping in mind that there are other video game consoles that are also due to hit store shelves in the near future. Some of them are Kickstarter campaigns, and we didn't really go into those. Uh, Those may become major players in 2013, but we're looking at the ones that are the established consoles. Yep, yep. And, uh, of course, you know, Sega's new console. Okay, so that's that's yeah. a pipe dream, but yeah. still, yeah. So let's start with the Wii U. Yes, the only one that's actually out at this point, and as of the the point we're recording this, it's uh you know the end of November 2012. It's only been out for a couple weeks yep. on store shelves here in America. Yep, and uh, it's the first console from Nintendo that actually is a high definition console. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that uh, that Nintendo took a lot of flack for when they introduced the Wii because you know going up against the Xbox 360 and the PS3. Uh, graphics-wise, it just couldn't hold a candle to those systems. Now, Nintendo's argument was that graphics are great, but gameplay is king. Mm-hmm. And so they were really uh, backing this idea that because the Wii used these these uh, motion sensor controls and, uh, and, and this new form of gameplay, that it would do well in the market. And in fact, the Wii did very well. It dominated... Uh, in the market for quite some time, but it also suffered from a reputation. There were that people would say they would buy one, they'd play it for a little while, and uh, then they kind of set it aside and it would collect dust. Mm-hmm. Like it just—it was a console that that just didn't get a lot of use after the first few you know months. Even after things like the Wii Fit Balance Board came out, that gave new life to the console for quite some time. But then again. People just kind of from most. This is mostly anecdotal, but I, you know, you hear the same story over and over again. Like, yeah, you know, I haven't haven't touched it in in, in a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, uh, you know, it goes without saying, really, that uh, that video games have come such a long distance from the days of uh, early paddle and uh, you know single button joystick controllers. Right. Um, since it goes without saying, I probably shouldn't have said it, but um, yeah, I mean the the. It's funny because the the current generation of uh, game consoles has really sort of defined, uh, you know, a brand new 
realm of these devices because, um, you know, they're all right in a way. Uh, I think that Sony and Microsoft decided that they wanted to put graphics before, um, you know, new kinds of controllers. Nintendo did it the other way around, but as it turns out, both graphics and gameplay are of crucial importance. And, and you see that in the, in the current generation. It's just that they decided to adopt them in, in different, uh, in different patterns. Well, and Nintendo also was known for aiming at a, a, a broad consumer market. The casual gamers are often the term that we use for them, although we've done an entire episode where we kind of talked about the the fact that these names are really not entirely accurate. But, but the idea of people who don't normally play video games – uh, if you make them ex- if you make the games accessible, then a lot of those folks will start to play. Yeah, and and you know that, again that was true. There were a lot of people who were buying these these devices up who wouldn't normally have a video game console. But uh, the one of the downfalls of casual gaming is that you have a limited amount of um, interest usually in those sort of games. Like right. they you can you can lose interest in those games fairly quickly, and if you don't have a steady stream of them, then that's a problem. Well. So the Wii U is is the successor to the Wii, mm-hmm. uh, and um, it has a new controller, or there's one new controller you can hook up to a console, and then further down the line, there's supposed to be support for two of them, mm-hmm. but it's the GamePad. Yep. Now, this is the thing that uh, you may have seen. It looks like a tablet. It's got video game controls on it. It's got a, a display inside of it. It's a touchscreen display. It's resistive touchscreen. Mm-hmm. Which means that you use pressure to uh, activate the the touch. It, it's not capacitance, so you can use a stylus, or yeah. really you can use anything. Anything that can create pressure against the screen will will register it as a touch. There are some downsides to resistive touch screens. One of them being that uh, if you're particularly rough with it because of you know it's it's using pressure to detect that touch, right. um, it can lose sensitivity over time because you can actually damage the components inside the screen. Yeah, the, uh, um, this sort of goes along in a way with, uh, Nintendo's earlier moves on the original Wii because, um, the Nintendo sort of, um, kept the device affordable. Uh, if you'll remember, uh, the early Xbox 360 and PlayStation, f- uh, 3 consoles were, were very expensive. Uh, compared to the previous generation, and the Wii started out at uh, around two hundred and forty nine dollars in the United States, uh, and it was Nintendo was able to do this by by using off the shelf components, um, and in this case, a resistive uh, touch screen is is more affordable when you're building a device like this than a touch screen. Yeah, uh, or a capacitive touch screen. I'm sorry. Well, and and also, I mean, using the stylus is this is again something that Nintendo has done before, and it it kind of helps keep that that uh experience stable throughout its its products. Now mm-hmm. when I say before I'm talking about things like the DS. Yeah. Well, it kind of turns th- this device kind of turns your TV into a version of the DS because uh, you know, you have the two separate screens, one of which is a touch screen. Yeah. So it's it's sort of similar in that in that regard. Yeah, it's a 6.2 inch display inside this gamepad. It's mm-hmm. got a 16 by 9 aspect ratio. And uh, 854 by 480 pixels. Mm-hmm. The the controller has 
lots of motion uh, detection sensors inside of it, including gyroscopes and accelerometers. It's got a front-facing camera. It's got a microphone, speakers, a headphone jack, uh, an IR port for uh, controlling a television and other uh, elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's even got an NFC chip in it, although at the moment, as far as I am aware, there, Nintendo has not announced why. Like there's no – as far as I know – as of the recording of this podcast, there's been no announcement from Nintendo as to how this NFC chip could be incorporated into things in the future. Yeah, NFC or, or near-field near communication is the same kind of chip that uh, you'll find in some Android smartphones that they use to to uh, make payments. You store your, your uh, information in Google Wallet. Uh, which is a uh, basically a credit card and, and loyalty card manager, and that information is stored in the, on a chip inside the phone. And when you take it up to the register, you you know you touch it to the the register, assuming it's you know compatible with this, and it helps you pay for your stuff. That's sort of how it, NFC has gotten famous. So I don't think the uh, the new Wii controller is going to help you pay for your groceries, but hey, you never know. It may be, it may <laughs> be that it ends up being something where if you have your gamepad out and about, because you, it, it is a wireless uh, yeah. controller and yeah. you can play some games uh, on the gamepad itself, as opposed to like you know you can you can play it on the gamepad without the television part of the console being active. Mm-hmm. It may very well be that it's so that you can share information with another player. Let's say that you've got a gamepad and I've got a gamepad. We're both playing the same role-playing game. And I found a powerful item, but I cannot use it because the class of character I'm playing is not capable of wielding whatever that ability or, or item is. Mm-hmm. And then – but you have – a character who could, and then we tap the screen or the the game pads together and can transfer an item from my game to your game. That might be one way of doing it. Now that's just that's just a guess. I mean, that's there's again nothing that's saying that that's how Nintendo is going to use this if they ever use it at all. But it is a, a that's a possibility. Yeah, there is also a possibility too because the um, if you have a Wii and your friend also has a Wii and you want to uh, um, you know play a game over at his or her house, you can actually store information in the Wii controller and take it with you, or you can take your Wii controller over to their house and sync it and use your controller. So even if they have only one, you can you can play games over there. This may be a way of uh, making it simple to sync your controller to another device. Um, but I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Uh, so up to five people right now can play certain games on the Wii U. Why five? Well, four of them are using the standard Wii controllers, the nunchuck mm-hmm. and, and Wiimote. Okay. And because uh, that's what the Wii could support. It could support up to four of those, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the gamepad is the fifth controller. So uh-huh. certain games allow you to play four against one type games where – the the person with the gamepad is using the gamepad to view have a different completely different view than what everyone has on the screen mm-hmm. and to play a certain style of game and the four people who have the regular the Wii motes are playing a different kind of game and mm-hmm. uh this is the experience I had I got a chance to play with a Wii U well before it came out way back in uh, and CES 2012. Uh-huh. So that was January 2012 where um, I, I got a chance to go into a closed-door meeting and play with the Wii U. And mm-hmm. one of the games they played was a sort of a um, – kind of like Pac-Man in a way. 
uh, in that it was, uh, the, the four players were playing these, these characters who were running around the maze. And then the person with the gamepad was, uh, trying to, uh, evade the four players. Mm-hmm. So with the gamepad, that meant that you were taking on the role essentially of Pac-Man and the people with the, the Wii remotes were playing the ghosts. Mm-hmm. So instead of it being under computer control, it's under player control. And it, it was, uh, it was not, Pac-Man, by the way, that was not mm-hmm. the characters that were being used in the game, but it, right. that's the game that I I thought of because it just you know bore a strong resemblance, um, in the sense that you know you're running around a maze trying to avoid monsters, or in this case, uh, four people who are possibly monsters. I don't know their personal lives. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, that was one version. That was really kind of a demo game that they were showing off. It mm-hmm. was just kind of a proof of concept. But there uh, there have been other uses of the gamepad too. There's been some games that have come out where the gamepad acts as uh, either a way of getting additional information within the game. So you're playing a game up on the television screen, but on the gamepad there's more info that can help you in your game. Right. Uh, in some cases it's a specialized view. I saw there's at least one game where you could use it as a sniper scope where mm-hmm. you held the, the controller up to the TV and it gave you a special view of the um, the the what was going on, so that way you could use that to s- zoom in on somebody and take them out. Uh, kind of an interesting thing. I mean, it's again very similar to the way the Wii remotes were introduced. It's a an innovation in gameplay, and it's it's another nod to how a lot of us have gotten used to having a second screen. Yeah. Whenever we are. Uh, consuming anything on TV, whether it's a video game or a television show or whatever, a lot of us have become used to having a second screen as part of that experience. And so this is kind of incorporating it directly into the console. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I read a report that uh, Google came out with just a, a few um, – just a short time ago. I don't remember exactly how long it was. Um, but, uh, you know, la- the latter half of 2012. And, yeah, I mean, they, they basically said any kind of – you know what content that you would consume in general people are are using multi screen uh multi screen to do it yeah. and uh well which probably surprises very few people who are listening to this podcast just because we all have different devices and different sizes and uh it's it's obvious that uh Nintendo has caught on to this too uh, i I'm a little surprised too because i i when I first saw photos of uh you know the gamepad I thought. I don't know if this is going to catch on. That's kind of a big controller. But I get the sense from from reading uh, re- reports and reviews that, that people seem to like it. Uh, of course, it's it's got analog uh, thumbsticks and, uh, you know, different buttons in, in uh, key places where it's ergonomically comfortable to play with. So um, – and yeah. I haven't actually held one myself, so it's It's yet. a little – it's a little awkward. I mean mm-hmm. if you're if you're using it as a controller controller, it's a big controller. Yeah. Okay, so that's – it's big and it's a little heavy, so it's it's not the most natural feeling controller in that sense. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, depending on like if you're if you're trying to use the screen fun- functionality, then uh, I haven't done any of that. Like I, I mean, I've used the screen to to look at the view, yeah, to use it as a, a viewfinder or whatever, to or to my view within the game. But I hadn't used it as a means of inputting controls or controlling a character, uh, I would imagine that would be a little awkward too just from the way of having to hold the gamepad with one hand while using the other hand to use the stylus or whatever. That would be a little 
that might feel a little awkward to me. I don't know. I haven't tried it that way. Uh, I will say that there, there are some other things that are, are beneficial with the Wii U. It is backwards compatible mm-hmm. to the Wii. Mm-hmm. So that means all the games that you have on the Wii will work on the Wii U. Of course, the, the gamepad functionality won't really be there because the games were not designed for that. Right. But that's a big deal. And we'll, but you can unhook the old Wii and plug the new one in. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about backwards compatibility when we get, get to some of the other consoles or the rumors of some right, of the other consoles. Right. Uh, one of the big things about it – well, oh, there, there's two models of it too. There's a basic model which has uh, got uh, eight gigabytes of storage space, although only three of those gigabytes are actually usable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a 32 gigabyte version where 25 of those gigabytes are usable. The reason why the rest aren't usable is due to operating system, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Things that are, are – uh, Dedicated to the the storage, so you can't actually you can't override it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got four USB 2.0 ports, including uh, and and all four of those can act as an Ethernet port if you have an adapter. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a, a Ethernet to USB 2.0 adapter, obviously, but they can work that way. So you can hardwire it to your network. Uh, it also supports 802.11 BG or N Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. uh, and it's got an SD card slot. Uh, and uh, one of the big big features that, uh, as of the recording of this podcast, still is not fully integrated mm-hmm. is the TV features. Yeah, and that's uh, that's TV <laughs> yes. with two little eyes after TV. the TV. <laughs> but um, but yeah, actually, from what I've seen, Nintendo is really seeing this as sort of a gateway to uh, multifunction content too, because it's not just uh, adding Netflix or uh, Hulu, Plus. Hulu Plus or Amazon streaming video. It, it can do those things. Well, not all of them as of this moment, but uh, those are all, you know, coming. Yeah. But it's also adding a DVR function. Yes. And uh, video on demand. Yeah. So that so, yeah, is you, significant. You could connect it to live TV. So you can have live TV streaming through the the Wii U, and that's how you can use it as a DVR. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, uh, the, this is kind of a getting into this whole idea of the console becoming the all-in-one set-top box. Yeah, uh, and we and again when we talk about the other consoles, you'll see that this is a theme that's going to be running strong. Yeah, um, it's it you know it's it's obvious that this was going to be the way things were going to go. We've already seen so many moves toward this. I mean, all three of the previous generation consoles have. Some streaming uh, media capability, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, Netflix or Hulu Plus or Amazon Video or some combination of all three, or mm-hmm. plus YouTube and other other options as well. So, this is the next step where where these consoles are, you know, the manufacturers are saying, well, what features can we put in there that people want that will help us sell these and and give them um, uh, an incentive to buy our console. Over something else, like kind of the same way that when the PS3 came out, uh, that was the first Blu-ray player in the United States that was available. Yes, you know, and, and then it's still one of the most affordable. Well, and, and comparatively, w- when it first came out, it was definitely very expensive. But at the same time, you could argue, well, I could buy a Blu-ray player, or I could buy a PS3, which has a Blu-ray player and right. is also a video game system. So that's kind of the same approach here, is saying. Well, for some people, they're going to be looking at this as, oh, it's a video game system. Oh, and I can also do these things on TV. Right. Whereas there are other people going to be, oh, we need a TiVo, essentially. But hey, if we get one of these, we'll have a TiVo that plays games. Right. So 
And it is the TiVo DVR, apparently. Oh, really? Yeah, that they've partnered with. I didn't see that. Yeah, that was according to um, CNET. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it, it, it on paper, it sounds like a pretty strong console. Uh, even though I will say also that the uh, the reports I've read, the reviews views I've read have suggested that the HD quality stuff mm-hmm. really just brings it in line with the current generation of the Xbox 360 and the PS3. Well, yes. So, in other words. It doesn't look like they've leapfrogged the other consoles and gotten a head start. They're more or less in line with the other consoles as far as the graphics quality goes. Right. Well, to be fair, we haven't moved to ultra high definition yet, so well, that's that's that, about as far as they could go in that department. I uh, I do I, I do hear that we're going to see a lot of ultra high definition TVs at CES 2013. Interesting. I hear that. Well, there is there is one crucial uh, piece of the puzzle, if you will, that is uh, that is Nintendo's and um, the others haven't have had varying degrees of success matching. And that's the Nintendo specific characters having, right, the having licensed Mario characters. And, and Link um, really helps Nintendo. Samus. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's so many properties that belong to Nintendo that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and of course, that was sort of a criticism in a way. It's funny how that has been leveraged against Nintendo too. Well, well, it's just you know family games. It's not the the hardcore serious gamer type stuff. Really, it, it, it's kind of unfair in a way to say that because the the hardware itself is game agnostic. Well, but uh, you know, people people haven't been uh, the developers haven't necessarily gone after. That market encoding for the the Wii, the original Wii. So uh, Nintendo may need to to court those kinds of titles if it wants to be to reach out to a broader base. Now that it's got the graphics capability and an, a different kind of controller, you yeah. Know, what will they get? Well, the biggest the biggest the biggest criticisms I tend to hear are that the only games. This is overgeneralization, by the way. But mm-hmm. the, the games that are worth playing on the Nintendo systems are the Nintendo games, the ones that have these these characters who have been on Nintendo's roster forever. Sure. Uh, but that people say, well, that gets tiring. You know, I don't. How many times yeah. am I going to have another Mario game? On the flip side, you know, if you look at the games that have been ported over to the Nintendo that are also available on the other consoles, the argument I tend to hear mm-hmm. more frequently than mm-hmm. anything else is, oh, well, if I'm going to get that, I'm going to get it for. My PS3, or right. I'm going to get it for my Xbox 360. I'm not going to get it for the Nintendo um, because uh, the I, I prefer the experience on these other consoles. Which means that Nintendo has to rely even more heavily upon the the its its proprietary characters sure, sure. because those are the ones that are selling games. Um, on top of that, one of the one of the downfalls of having these interesting controllers is that uh, it does create a challenge for developers who have to figure out how to develop a game that uses these sort of controllers. Right. Um, and again, this isn't something unusual. I mean, Sony with their move and and uh, Microsoft with Kinect mm-hmm. have had uh, issues with developers creating games that really take advantage of those devices and that uh, appeal to gamers. I mean, that's that's the real trick is not just making it so it works with the hardware, but also that the gamers want to play whatever it is they create. Right. So um, – you know, Nintendo's definitely got some challenges ahead of it, uh, and I'm honestly I am not certain if the Wii U is going to be up to uh, 
to meeting those challenges. I mean, it's early days yet, so it's hard to say. There may be games that come out that are so innovative that it really turns things around. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the next one. Let's talk about uh, the the successor to the Xbox 360. I've heard three different names so far, uh, besides the code name. The code name for that console is Durango. Apparently, yeah, they've uh, they got that from a uh, a developer. Uh, who posted something about that on, on Twitter and that post was later removed. So, uh, apparently that, that may be accurate. Of course, people have been calling it the Xbox 720. Yeah, that's the most, um, that's the name I, I hear most frequently, just hey, the double of the 360. Hey, it worked for Atari. You yeah. Know, with the, uh, the 2650. I don't know that it worked for Atari. <laughs> Atari did it. <laughs> I don't know if it worked. Well, what about the 7800? Yeah, okay, never mind. So then, uh, yeah, that's one of the names I hear. I also hear Xbox Infinity. Yes. And I've also okay. heard that it would just be called the Xbox. So kind of like Apple's iPad is the just the new Xbox. Yeah, it's just the Xbox. Um, I don't think the Xbox part is going away, so I think we're safe with that. We The rumors – now, this is all based on rumor. There's been no official announcement from Microsoft as of the recording of this podcast. So However, this is, it is clear that they're working on it. Yes. No, that that we were all sure of anyway, but yes. now we know a little bit more about right. – or at least we suspect a little bit more about it. For example, um, rumor has it that it will have a 16-core uh, CPU uh, and probably uh, – and possibly – Dual graphics cards running off of uh, AMD's 7000 series of graphics cards. So dual uh, GPUs to help uh, handle all that graphics processing. Although some of that, the wording around that is a little confusing. Uh, But this is not unusual. I mean, there are plenty of folks out there who have gaming rigs that have dual GPUs in them. Yes. Uh, On top of that, supposedly going to have 8 gigabytes of RAM. Uh, It will have incorporated into the console... Again, based on rumor, um, the successor to Connect, mm-hmm. so it'll be an, a more advanced version of Connect. Some people are just calling it Connect Two. I don't know what they're connecting it to. What? Yeah, apparently it's already part of the console. No fair, you beat me to my joke. <laughs> um, I've also heard that it will support some form of second screen capability, which doesn't surprise me. I've got um, Xbox Smart Glass mm-hmm. on my Android tablet. It's not supposed to have it on my tablet, but I do. Thank you, side loading. But uh, Smart Glass lets you control your Xbox somewhat through the tablet. So you can do yeah. things like navigate to various features. Um, I can see that being built in more from the ground up with the next Xbox. Also, there's rumor that it might one day support something similar to uh, the Google Project Glass, mm-hmm. where uh, augmented reality glasses will become a possible uh, uh peripheral yeah. for this. Um, whether or not that becomes something that is worth picking up or if it remains in the realm of a curiosity remains to be seen. We've seen plenty of video game peripherals come out that promise to really revolutionize the way video games are played and then not. Cough, Nintendo Power Glove, cough. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, cough, virtual boy, cough. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, there, technically, that was its own thing. That wasn't a, an add-on. Well, this the 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 next Xbox, whatever it is, there are some also very interesting rumors that there may be a version that is not really aimed at the hardcore gamer. There might be two versions of this device, one of them being a a more simple set-top box that is capable of gaming but isn't really a gaming 
uh, dedicated gaming console. Interesting. I have not heard that part. Yeah. Um, from what I have read, and, and they don't really know, but right. they're, they're that, looking that, at the possibility all... that it'll be more of a sort of a casual gaming version of the next Xbox. Gotcha. So it might have like a, <clears throat> it might have some access to apps that you might find on, say, Windows Phone. Right. But it's you know scaled up to be on a television experience, mm-hmm. so you can play you know Angry Birds on your on your Xbox. Yes, and I've I've also been. Uh, been reading that there may be some pieces of Windows 8 that find their way into the uh, DNA of the next Xbox. That wouldn't surprise me too much. I, I think that they would definitely try and and get a sort of cohesive look across all their platforms so that you have a very identifiable experience again. Like if you look at a Windows 8 machine or you have a Windows phone mm-hmm. or you have the Xbox that you can tell that all three of these things belong to the same general family of uh, of operating systems, even if they aren't, you know, completely seamlessly connected. At least the I, I can easily imagine the look being similar. And that that's kind of again, if you look at the Xbox interface right now, it does not it it looks similar to the Windows 8 tiled uh, uh, interface. It's not not quite the same. But you can tell that they are, you know, related. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I've also heard that it might have a Blu-ray player. Yes. Which would be a big change. Now, that's a big thing because, of course, Blu-ray is uh, is technology that's licensed by Sony. Sony owns it. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft would have to license this technology from Sony to have it included into their consoles. And historically, Microsoft wasn't too crazy about the idea of giving money to a competitor in order to use this technology. In fact, uh, Microsoft backed a different high-definition standard, you know, HD DVD. Back in the day, they had an HD DVD external drive that you could buy for the Xbox. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, granted, that standard did not last the test of time. Uh, Chris and I got to watch the death of that firsthand at CES. Yes, amazingly enough, you can if you go way, way back in our archives, you can find one of our early five-minute episodes <laughs> uh-huh. on on HD DVD versus Blu-ray. I really wouldn't bother at this point. <laughs> Although it's five minutes, I mean, come on, what else are you going to do? Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, some people think it may be uh, priced very competitively too, around two hundred ninety-nine dollars. Yeah, if perhaps. that happens, that is crazy. That would I will, be stunning. I would. I. I am. I am highly skeptical that they're going to be able to deliver. I mean, maybe maybe the most base model they can manage, like a four gigabyte. You know, although yeah. even then, you know, you're talking about a device again. This is also a device that's got a, supposedly going to have an AV port, which would allow you to watch and record broadcast TV. So right. you're using it like a DVR, just like you know we had talked about with the Wii U. It looks like the next generation of Xbox will have similar functionality built into it, and. Um, that means to me that uh that uh you would want to have a nice big hard drive because in many cases at least on the in the case of uh content that you're buying from the the uh the Xbox store uh you are buying it and normally downloading it to your device mm-hmm. so you want to have enough storage space there so you can do that a few times i mean i've got games that require Downloads of a sizable nature, or at least a, a saving information of a sizable nature, to my hard drive in order for me to play it. For example, uh, Halo Four, 
Right. If I want to play multiplayer on Halo 4, uh, I had to install a rather sizable file on my hard drive. And I have one of the, the, you know, my Xbox 360 is an older one that has a very limited hard drive space. Yeah. So I actually had to go in and delete stuff so that I could play on multiplayer and have 10 year olds kill me and yell at me in <laughs> foul language. I had to delete things for that privilege, people. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, I could, I could see maybe the lowest tier possibly coming in at $300, but man, I mean, that's, I, it's hard for me to imagine based upon the things we're talking about here. Well, yeah, that, and that underscores the difference in taking off the shelf components versus going cutting edge like these specs suggest to us. I mean, when you, when you're going to put that kind of hardware in there, you would typically expect that, you know, uh, cutting edge hardware is going to cost you, you yeah. know, more than, Hey, well, we've got, we've had these for five years now. It's no big deal. Sure. You can, you can add these for uh, 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, they've also said that they would, uh, support 1080p 3d content, uh-huh. which is, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, downside. Did you hear about the DRM? No, I did not hear okay. about the DRM rumored again. Mm-hmm, sure. Wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it's unfortunate, but there's rumor that the, Games you purchase will be linked to your Xbox Oh, yes. Yes, I did hear that. Right. So that it essentially kills the secondhand game market. You would not be able to – you know, you could sell your games to someone else. They just couldn't play them. Yeah, this is is actually – probably going to be a good segue into the the next generation PlayStation because they're saying the same thing about Sony's next console that these that Sony and Microsoft are both looking at this um as an option. Yeah, now now the information I read about Xbox suggested that it may even require you to have a persistent internet connection. Yeah. in order to play these games, which I object to. I don't think that's I don't like the idea of having to have a persistent internet connection to prove that the game I'm playing is one that I bought. No, it, but it, it, this would also kill the rental a, a industry. You wouldn't be able to rent a game because once someone had linked that game to an account, that's it. Yes, but it does offer a convenient um, alternative to uh, to the doctrine of first sale. That's uh, part of the uh, the copyright laws here in the United States. So you know, literally. If you buy something here, you know, off the shelf, you have the right to sell it to somebody else if you want to. You give them your book or your DVD and they give you, you know, whatever you ask for it and that's it. You know, you have the right to do that. Now, um, this is – there's nothing illegal about doing this. It's just uh, kind of a sneaky way of, of getting around it. Um, not even really all that sneaky. It's it's right there out in the open but uh, – it's a, a clever, let's say, clever alternative to that. But, uh, yeah, Sony has, has been, um, you know, rumored to be thinking about that. They Even, you know, in, in the current generation, I know that uh, a lot of people have said that they are looking at that. But, um, uh, you know, this is not un, unheard of in PC gaming yeah. as of now either. Well, we've and we've heard plenty of stories of people getting up in arms over these sure. kind of practices where, you know, the idea of having to con- – continually have a persistent internet connection in order to just play a game, even if the game itself has no internet connectivity element to it, mm-hmm. like a single-player standalone game, and yet you still need an internet connection because of DRM, not because of the game, mm-hmm. uh, seems to some people, I include myself among them, to be excessive. Mm-hmm. Also, it it does tend to encourage people to find ways around it because they don't want to deal with that sort of stuff, sure. which arguably you could say that 
in in certain cases, DRM in fact encourages piracy, in a way, in in the sense of, hey, you know, if I have to go through great lengths just to play this game that I have legally bought, or I could just go through this other way and uh, the easy way where someone's cracked it for me, I'm going to take the easy way because. Why would I put myself through that kind of uh, frustration? Well, and I mean, I mean, I know people who have gone and purchased a legal copy of a game and then downloaded the pirated version because they wanted the DRM-free one. They didn't want to cheat the company out of money, but they didn't want to deal with the DRM. Right. And then there are always going to be a handful of people who do it not – even though it may be harder for them to crack the, the uh, system simply because – they're irritated at the people who put it out. Yeah, there's some people yeah. who will do it. There are always uh, and, people like that. And then, of course, there are always people who just don't want to pay for stuff. Yeah. I mean, there are people sure. like that. And those are the those are the people that DRM is supposed to be targeting. It's supposed to be targeting yes. the people who would just steal. But there's so many people who don't want to steal. They just don't want to deal with all that frustration. So sure. it's it's a it's a complicated issue. Of course, we've talked about DRM in the past. So, well, let's let's really we've done. Do you have any more about the Xbox that you wanted to talk about before we move on? We we can make this a transitional point again. Um, rumor has it that this device, the 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 next Xbox, could be out as soon as the end of 2013 yeah. for the holiday shopping Christmas season. Christmas 2013. But I'm seeing that it's more likely that it will hit in 2014 like the next PlayStation. I haven't seen anything that suggests it will be out in, the, in 2013. But um, And in fact, I've seen rumors that Sony may be packing it in after the PS3. But the uh, the PlayStation 4, or there is another code name for it. Orbis. Orbis. Which uh, you might wonder, why would you call it Orbis? Well, you know, the PlayStation has, uh, Sony has the PS Vita. Mm-hmm. All right, so Which that's is life. That's the that's the handheld. Yes, that's life. And then Orbis. <laughs> that's life. Orbis is a circle, so Orbis Vitae would be circle of life. Yes, and it moves us all. Yeah. So when you when you get the console, the first thing you have to do is climb to the end of a precipice and then hold it up. And all the animals. The sun. All the animals will bow down will before bow down. you. And then Jeremy Irons will attempt to uh, to take over the throne, as we have seen so many times before. Anyway, uh, Jeremy, you done in there yet? <laughs> anyway, not that thrown. So the uh, PS4 uh, or Orbis. Yes. Um, uh, we don't have as many details. Uh, no, no. Uh, again, it's probably going to have a, um, uh, a a a CPU that's capable of up to uh, sixty four threads, mm-hmm. which would probably be again a, probably a, a sixteen core processor with mm-hmm. multiple threads per core. If I had to guess, um, supposedly a 28 nanometer based uh, AMD Southern Islands GPU, mm-hmm. although uh, other rumors suggested AMD A10 APU. Yes. So it all depends on which set of rumors you're looking at. And that's sort uh, of an off the shelf part. Yeah. And in fact, that's that's, that's, that's an older. That, yeah, it's an older. Sh- it's an older chip. And it's one of those that I've read some reviewers who say. If that, in fact, is the chip that goes along with this console, I don't see how they can de- deliver upon these other promises they've made right. mm-hmm. uh, without without some other heavy-duty graphics processors thrown in there. Um, it's going to have – probably going to have between 8, uh, 8 and 16 gigabytes of RAM, so possibly more RAM than the Xbox. Uh, 256 gigabytes of storage, a Blu-ray drive, which no big surprise. Yeah. Uh, one, one thing that could be a surprise is that it could possibly support 4K resolution playback. 4K is ultra-high definition. Yeah. This is the – 
uh, step above what our HD sets currently uh, are able to display. There's some people out there who have 4K sets already, very few because they're incredibly expensive. We're talking like $30,000 for a TV set. Right. Uh, but the one of the big problems is that there's not a whole lot of ways to get content to display at 4K. Right. It doesn't do you any good if your, you know, if your computer can or or television can display a 4K image, but you're only getting 1080 uh, resolution feeds in there, it doesn't help you. I'm not sure my eyes will even go that high. Everybody looks like 8-bit blocks to me. <laughs> right. Anyway, um so that's but that's the big rumor is that it could support 4K. That doesn't really surprise me either. Sony's big on uh on high definition TVs. And it would, what would surprise me is if I go to CES in 2013 and if I don't see a lot of 4K sets over in the Sony booth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm imagining that several of the booths will have 4K sets. So we've seen them already in previous CES shows. I've seen 4K sets already. Um, they tend to be the, you know, prototype model that's standing alone. It's something that's not necessarily meant for mass production, but is more like a, a sign of the things that are to come. Yeah, like a, like a concept car would yeah. be kind of. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, okay, well, these are this is these are features that we will eventually roll out into the sets that we put on the on the store shelves. But right now, it's just kind of this is a an example. Mm-hmm. Um, it also would be the first Sony console that could support 1080p. 3D. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PS3 could do 720p 3D, um, and uh, beyond that, you're talking about uh, a lot of uh, potential performance issues. Anyway, um, it one of the big warning signs is that uh, you know if you got a PS3 mm-hmm. and you wanted to play PS2 games on it, you're kind of out of luck. It sounds like the PS4 or Orbis or whatever is going to follow that same trend in that mm-hmm. it's not going to be backwards compatible. So if you have a lot of PS3 games and uh, you get a PS4, you're still going to need that PS3 if you want to play those old games because this one's not going to be able to play them. Or at least, again, that's according to rumor. And just like we were saying a minute ago, it does sound like uh, the games will have to be authenticated through the Sony Entertainment Network when you purchase them. So when you purchase a game and you uh, load it into your, your PS4 for the first time, it's going to prompt you to uh, to authenticate the game through the Sony Entertainment Network. That game will then forever be linked to your Sony uh, identity, essentially, which means that you will not be able to play that on someone else's device signed in. Through their right. uh, uh, identification, so yeah, that's that could be a problem. I mean, I, I would imagine that you would be able to sign in under your ident- ID on another machine and bring the the game with you, so you could still play it on another person's machine as long as you were signed in under your name. I believe that's that's the way I interpreted this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you would not be able to purchase a used game and play it on your machine, just or rent a game. You wouldn't be able to do either of those things, just like with the Xbox. Uh, disturbing trend in my mind. Uh, I don't like that. I mean, I understand entirely why the companies want to do this because that's a market they do not make money off of. Right. Right. So if I buy a game brand new and then I sell it to uh, to to a re- you know a, a, a store that turns these around, that right. offers yeah. pre-owned games, and then Chris comes in and he buys that pre-owned game. 
Well, the 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 shop makes money, but the games distributors and manufacturers they don't make any money off of that second purchase. Not directly. All right. They they can through other means, like if there's downloadable content that can continue the game's um, functionality and features, then the person who buys the secondhand game may go on to buy DLC. Right. That could, that could help. Yeah. Um, or if the company owns stock in whatever the re- retail establishment is, they could make money that way too. But – yeah, of course. Um, there's uh, a th- that also sort of overlooks the people who buy older games to complement their newer the stuff that they buy off the shelf too. Or somebody who wants to get into a universe and they start with game one in the series and they right. go, "Oh my gosh, I love this! This is great!" And they go out and buy the new ones, you know, when they come in. They, that that those are the intangibles that I think these companies overlook that. Um, it's spreading the property around. It's spreading the in, the uh, intellectual content around and gets other people hooked on it. But yeah, there's hey, not a, you know that, that's that's their decision. Um, there's not a lot of long tail when it comes to video games. Yeah, I mean, I there I, is some. Yeah, there is some. I mean, I'm I'm one of those video game owners who very frequently I end up buying games well after they've been out for quite. Some, I mean, I got Skyrim a year after it came out. Yeah, and you know what? If you haven't played it before and you still love it, I see no problem with it. I right. got Portal after Portal Two came out. Yeah, it just it just it makes it difficult because the way the video game industry works is they're trying to churn through those games sure. pretty quickly and hit that initial big rush where you get a lot of people buying the game. And then you want to do that again with the next title. And there's limited storage space. I mean, there's limit, limited shelf space in stores. And uh, although, I mean, I buy almost everything online, but never mind that. Anyway, there's limited shelf space. So you don't, you don't, you know, you can't have every game that was ever published out forever. Right, right. right. Well, you, you could, but not on a shelf. Not on a shelf. Um, and that, that's the problem is that, you know, because of that whole nature of the industry, then you've got this uh, – this this quick turnaround and it means that you know once you have a game come out a few months after the games come out you're already thinking okay we well, got to get something else out there because uh, that that one's going to get pushed off the shelf pretty soon by all the other games that are coming out from all the other other companies yeah and I do see Sony and Microsoft both being touched by this in ways that Nintendo wouldn't because Nintendo is more of a closed system. Um, you don't just become a Nintendo developer. If you want to sell a Nintendo game, you kind of have to get Nintendo's blessing to do it. Yeah. Whereas with Microsoft, they're very familiar with people copying Windows, making pirated copies of Windows, making pirated copies of uh, uh, you know computer games because, of course, it makes games for, for Windows machines as well as for the Xbox. Sony has... Although Sony's famous for its units not working very well together, Sony has music. Sony has movies. And are they familiar with people copying those? Very much so. So it makes sense that um, the companies that are more likely to tie these these titles into their consoles um, – you know, it, it makes sense that they would be first to do that over Nintendo. Now, um, there are people who thought – or still think in some cases that um, the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 are the end of the line for consoles. Um, will this be the will this be the la- the last generation of consoles? Will this will the next generation be the last generation? It, it's hard to say, but it's clear that 
there, this convergence between the set top box and the gaming box, the gaming console. Yeah. Um, they're moving together. Now, I don't know that people like Boxy or, or Roku are likely to release a gaming console. But, well, um, and, and then there's also the question of could this eventually move to the next step where it's all incorporated directly into the TV set? Yeah. In which case then you'd think, all right, does this mean I have to figure out which set I want to buy because I happen to love playing the Xbox version of games versus the Sony version? Yeah. Or or our computers where we're going to be watching our TV, in which case you could make a computer game which appears on the same screen as your TV – or will it all go to a tablet? I think these things are still very up in the air right now. Yeah, I think I think it's good for another. I think we're, we'll have another uh, another generation, another generation, yeah. and that these questions will all be uh, asked and and prodded. Yeah, we're going to yeah. see a lot of uh, experimentation in the in the industry to see how consumers respond and do they like the idea of having this sort of. Uh, Portable experience, yeah, across multiple devices, or does that not matter? Yeah, and, <clears throat> and I, and I do we, too. I think that this this generation will come out. Yeah, yeah. Until we until we see how those questions are are answered, uh, I think uh, we're pretty safe knowing that there's going to be another um, another series. So, yeah, it would be interesting to see if, and, and this is just fooling around on my part. I, I don't know anything about this, and I'm. I'm not saying that there will be, but uh, it would be interesting to see if Apple is interested in doing this simply because, well, they, they had the Pippin, which failed miserably. Yeah. Um, but they also have, of course, the, the iPhone, the iPod Touch, and the iPad. So could those be used as a second screen for a console? I mean, they're already talking about their pretty heavy, heavily weighted rumors, let's say, that there will be an Apple television. Uh, that's those Could have been be, rumors for a couple of years, but yeah, exactly, just like they were for the iPad. That's true. So I gonna, wonder, could there I'm be? I'm not going to dismiss it out of hand. I've learned that lesson. Yeah. But well, uh, and I don't know. I have no idea. But uh, it just, it kind of, you kind of wonder with all these weird things that are happening in in the industry. Yeah. Whether uh, Apple might consider it at some point. Well, at any rate, they I have think, the wherewithal. Uh, I think that I think that pretty much sums up all the rumors and news we can uh, we can say at this time. For the next generation of consoles, I am very curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> I've definitely been holding off on buying a new Xbox 360 because, you know, I'd said, like, I've got a limited hard drive space right, in mine. Right, right. I thought about buying a new one because they're not that expensive right now, comparatively speaking. Yeah. And uh, especially during the holiday season of 2012. But, um, but the knowledge that there could be a new one out by next year, a new console, and hopefully one that's backwards compatible, although we don't know for the Xbox, right, one way right. or the other. Um, that has me hold, holding off a bit because I kind of want to see what comes out and uh, and maybe I'll just use that money toward the new console, especially if it's at $300 because that would be insane. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up this conversation. If you have any topics you would like us to tackle here at Tech Stuff, please let us know. Send us an email. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com or drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw, and Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brought to you by the 2012 Toyota Camry.